Where's the record button to stop it? Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. My name is Chad McCool. And join with me as always in studio is my brother from another mother, Andy Crow. Andy, what's going on? Uh, well, not like you. I don't need an arc just yet to get somewhere. Uh, we're not at biblical proportions yet, but it's getting close. We uh, It's supposed to rain today, and really there's a chance of it all weekend. Um, which could be pretty sad because the the little guy, I say little, he's almost taller than his big brother, but he's got uh, he's got his first baseball game Saturday. So we're hoping that it doesn't get rained out. Or I don't know, maybe we are hoping that it does because we're all tired and at our I, wits end. But I, I think at some point, right, as parents with kids and youth sports, you hope it gets rained out and then you regret it when they decide that they're playing like seven games in five days. Towards yeah, we got to get everything season. made up. Let's go. And you're like, what did I wish for? Um, no, it's been raining for about four days straight. But uh, I'll tell you the day before it started. You know, I, I'll tell you this about, I don't know, maybe two months ago, I realized right outside my bedroom window, I ate hear these birds chirping. Um, they started chirping maybe about an hour, 45 minutes before sunrise, but always be about 15 minutes before my alarm would go off. My I, I usually get up between like 4.45, 5 o'clock. <laughs> You're um, insane. I, and, and granted, since then, I'm not keeping up with that same schedule because I've been so tired. But I was like, it was nice. I was like, oh, the birds are chirping. Spring is coming. It was like really joyful. Well, these birds... They've not moved with they've moved the other way now as sunrise comes because they've started chirping at like 245, three in the morning. And for like now that it's been raining, they're pretty quiet. But for the last week or so, I get up, they wake me up about three in the morning and I think it's close to my alarm. And then I realize it's like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with you? And then it was Tuesday morning. I was going to go outside with a 22 and shoot them all. Or either set that tree on fire with some lighter fluid because I'm like the the beauty I felt about this about two months ago is not very beautiful anymore. And I'm like, these birds are my nemesis. They must die. No, yeah, I, those birds would have died early. But uh, another cool note, regardless of rain or shine, today or tomorrow, uh, I'm getting some decently good barbecue because. In Owensboro, Kentucky this weekend is the Barbecue Festival. Owensboro claims to be the barbecue capital of the world. Um, and you can get some some decently good uh, barbecue here. I would put it up against almost anywhere else. Um, actually, one of the two of the restaurants that are here have won like national competitions. So I plan at some point today, whether it's I'm going back to Pepal's or I'm going to try to find the office. Uh, I'm going to hit the uh, hit one of the little barbecue stands and eat my weight and brisket. <laughs> yeah, I'd be scared. I, I think there's a lot of these supposed competitions that are national awards because there's a barbecue joint here where I live uh, that opened up a few years back. And they tout that they won this. They've won these national barbecue awards before the restaurant existed which that always made funny. So I'm imagining it's probably the, the proprietor won these awards, but it's not good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, I don't know what award you won, but it's not good. So I, the one that's here, at least the one I'm thinking of, it's been featured on like multiple food network and, um, you know, televised competitions. So. I don't, uh, and then it makes me think, like, what idiots are watching barbecue competition? And then I remember last summer when I didn't have a job yet, when I had first moved here, I was sitting on the couch, you know, just elbows deep in ribs watching barbecue competitions on TV. Oh, yeah. I watched a ton of barbecue shows, like, uh, what's his name? Aaron Franklin, the guy that, that owns Franklin Barbecue in, in Austin, Texas. He did like a, 
uh, he had a whole series on barbecue, like, and they went to competitions and stuff on PBS. And I remember like paying to watch that. And I want, I binge watched that. So yes. Um, I don't know. Is it, is it, what's weirder? You watch barbecue competitions, which I've watched as well, or I watch the Bassmasters and I watch fishing tournaments. <laughs> like I don't know. I'll watch like I don't even think can I watch those. <laughs> NASCAR, I think I used to hate NASCAR. Like growing up, I hated races. Um and like even back in Terre Haute, a buddy of mine at our church, like he would get a group of guys together and we would go to like the midget car racing. Yeah, they had spring car they had World of Outlaws in Terre Haute. Yeah, and so then I would ask, like, am I supposed to call it little people racing, or do we legit call it midget? Because I don't sprint cars. I well, no, it was midget racing, quarter track midget racing. Yeah, and, it did. Uh, I was like, cool. I just, you know, I'm okay with getting canceled. I just like to know why I'm getting canceled before it happens. <laughs> because I, I told doctor wife, I was like, hey, I'm going to midget <laughs> midget racing, and she was like, uh, Carl Andrew. But it's not they, it's it's not little people who race. It's just the it's just the what they. Used I know to that's what I'm. But, you know, God love her. I'm going to midget racing, and she just gives me that look. I was like, <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> well, speaking of danger, I went to. Sorry. <laughs> speaking of danger, I know. Uh, before you you tell us about the fine. The fine merchandise, blacksmith merchandise from St. Gagano Armory. I know Keith at St. Gagano's made a little uh, proposition for us, I guess. I, I think before I, I did label him the Flava Flav of the podcast. He is our hype man, I believe, last Bro. episode. So when he when he so when I you sent me the the screenshot of your text where he asked that, I'm thinking He's a large man and he's younger than I am. This might not bode well for me, but he took it in good spirits. And he has, um, he's kind of made a thing that when we get to our thousandth download, he's going to wear a big giant anvil around his neck like Flava Flav with no clock, but he's going to really dress as our hype man and uh, and do it to, to support the show. So, so what I want to happen is when we get together this summer, if we do, I'm going to need us to like, we'll wear our t-shirts and then I need him to wear his, his flavor flame garb. And that'll be our new cover shot. That'll be our new, that'll be our, our shot for when we go infamous, you know, when we go aluminum on the, on the charts. So when we hit a thousand downloads, we're halfway there. We hit a thousand downloads. Um, this is our thirty-eighth episode that we're recording right now. But a thousand downloads. Keith is going to definitely wear his hype man garb. Um, maybe he'll wear some blacksmith apparel as our hype blacksmith man. Blacksmith apparel. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy, why don't you tell us about uh the fine folks at St. Gagano Armory? Well, speaking of our flavor flav. The St. Galgano Armory is the premier destination for handcrafted blacksmith merchandise, not apparel. Lots of merchandise, though. They use traditional techniques to create unique and stunning pieces, each one embedded with the spirit of St. Galgano himself. Each item is a work of art, and it's crafted with care and attention to detail. St. Galgano Armory believes that quality and authenticity are paramount to the products they make, and that's why they use only the finest materials and take pride in their commitment to the traditional craftsmanship. The products are not only beautiful, but they're functional, and St. Gagano Armory has you covered. Go check them out at their website, etsy.com shop slash St. Gagano. You can also check them out on all the major social media outlets. Um, and then a portion of all of their sales goes to a faith-based charity. Uh, this one that is going on this quarter uh, is the Coalition to Abolish Slavery and Trafficking. So not only do they make great, awesome products, they put their money where their mouth is, right? They are giving back into the community to to make sure that, that the love of God is felt 
uh, and that people know that they are loved by God. So it's awesome. Amen. And you can check them out again. It's Etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. You can check them out on Twitter and Instagram at St. Galgano. And uh, it's it's great stuff. I know we both have some stuff. I, I use my I use my bottle opener um, quite a bit. I, I got one for a gift for a friend of mine. And, and those hooks, I've got those railroad spike hooks in my office. They are they are about the nicest thing in my office. <laughs> Oh, yeah, those hooks, man, they're legit. So now we were talking about prayer uh, last episode, right? We talked about the National Day of Prayer, and, and we talked about praying. But I'm I thinking about uh, Paul writes in Ephesians 6, verse 18, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So I think as, as pastors, right, um, what does it mean to pray for the flock? And I and I don't think only pastors should be praying for the flock. And pat and if you are a pastor or in church leadership and you listen into this and you're not praying for the flock, um, I think you need to ask yourself why, um, and really have that that conversation with the Lord. But I also think that the flock should um, obviously be praying for their pastors and church leadership, but the flock should be praying for the flock as well. Um, oh, absolutely. What, what does it mean to what does it mean to you to pray for the flock? I mean, I think it's just that you have to, as a pastor, you have to spend time weekly and daily just, you know, pouring out, really. I mean, I remember, um, you know, of course, I, I, do, I do it here, but I'm not on staff. But I can remember sitting in my office in Terre Haute and, you know, I'd have a roster of my kids and I'd just go through and just whatever was on my heart, pray for them. Yeah. Um, but my role became much bigger than my church. Um, so every pastor is not only a pastor to their church, but really to their community. Um, when the pandemic hit, um, the superintendent of the schools was like, we need subs. Um, we need teachers. And so he reached out to the youth pastor community and there were some of us that really stepped up and and went because, you know, we weren't seeing our kids on a regular basis because of different restrictions and whatnot that were put on us. Um, most of us fought against those restrictions. Um, and then some of our, our boards and really the community fought back harder. But uh, so I remember I jumped into the school, the, the middle school that was in my right by my church. Um, and I, I had a teacher who was like, hey, I hear you're so-and-so's youth pastor. And I was like, well, they've come once or twice. So, I mean, I, if that's, you know, I love them, so sure. And she's like, well, with the way things are going here, she goes, I'm pretty sure you're not only that person's youth pastor, but you're like the the school's pastor and for the both student and staff. So just thanks for what you're doing. And so then it becomes real like it's not just your flock you're really shepherding a community as well and so you just there are needs that need to be met some you know some you don't but you are constantly striving to just give that up to god and let him deal with it in the way that only he can mm. yeah i've i've got this uh I'll, I'll show it to you but taped into the cover of my daily driver bible is a you know, I, I try to, I mean, I pray for them every day for the flock, but sometimes, you know, it, it, individuals can get lost in the shuffle, for lack of a better term. So I have this list of, for each day, I've singled out two or three people that are either members of my church or, uh, you know, people who've been coming for a long time who may not be members, but um, actually it's, it's like three or four people a day that I pray for specifically while I'm still praying for the flock as a, a group so they don't get lost in the shuffle. And that's really helped me um, hold my feet to the fire to to really be able to focus on these individuals and whether, you know, they've got anything big going on or anything like that, but it gives me that time to, to really pray for their individual, you know, their well-being, their, their physical, spiritual health, emotional needs, all that good stuff. Pray for their families and friends. But that's definitely helped me a lot. Yeah, I uh, I have a 
uh, working spreadsheet at my work with all my clients on it. Um, it tells me their name, like when they started supervision, when they get off of supervision, and then the week that they meet with me, because most of them have to meet with me at least once a month. Mm. You know, the ones that don't have to meet with me once a month, they may meet with me weekly or whatever. Um, but so then Wednesday is affectionately known as picture day for me. Um, because I tend to wear a shirt and tie because people yell at you less when you look like you know what you're doing. Yes. Like my dad says, my dad says, if you, you need a clipboard, if you got a man walking around with a clipboard, he's important. He's got something to do. That's right. So, uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll dress a little nicer than my khakis and ratty polos, um, on Wednesdays. And so my coworkers have said, Oh, look, it's, it's Andy's picture day. Uh, but those are the days that they come in and see me. And so at the beginning of every picture day, you know, I pull up my spreadsheet and I, I, I narrow it down to the ones that are coming in that day. And so I'll go through that list and pray for them before they get there. And most of them know my background. Um, I don't necessarily flaunt it because again, I work for the state. Um, but I do have my ordination certificate hanging on my wall. And so they see it and they'll ask questions and, you know, I make the joke, like, if you're going to open a door, then I'm going to run through it like no fat man can. And so they'll, some of them have figured out, you know, what I used to do for a vocation. And so that also opens up my beliefs and they know where I'm coming from. So I have, I have individuals that'll, you know, text me, call me, or even ask me in the office, like, hey, this is going on. Could you be praying for it? Or, hey, could you give me some spiritual advice? And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a fine line I have to walk, right? But if 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 they're the ones that open Pandora's box, like, I can go with it. I you know, just, that's... I, no, sorry, go ahead. I, I, I just can't be the one to bring it up. And so, right. you know, right. it's all strategic. And then I have those who have no desire to talk about it. They know what I've done, what I do. Um, and they're like, you know, that's, that's good, but I don't subscribe to it. So, um, and we don't talk about that, right? We talk about what they're doing, what they should be doing in sports. Yeah. And that's good. Cause a lot of times, like I, I've noticed in my own life, you know, you go somewhere, you meet somebody, you go to a party or whatever and ask what you do. Cause that's what we do as, as a society, right? We, we want to know what you do for a living. So they could figure out what box to put you in. And I tell people I'm a pastor and then you could just see their eyes get wide and they slowly back away and they start thinking about how many cuss words that I just drop, or maybe oh, I yeah. should uh, lower this beer that I have in my hand. <laughs> I used to funny. laugh so hard. Um, my old senior pastor and I would go, there was a sports bar in town Um and his daughter worked there for a little while, so we would go because we could get, you know, discounts or, or whatever. We've been there together. Yeah. <laughs> but Dave and I would go on the regular, like, especially during, like, NCAA basketball tournament time. Oh, yeah, I don't care about that. Um, He's a huge Cincinnati Reds fan. Um, And so anytime the Braves and the Reds would play, like, day games – we would go have a staff meeting and, and we would sit at the bar on purpose. We wouldn't go sit at a table. Like we'd go sit at the bar um, and then people would come in on their lunch break and they'd have some drinks and, you know, be running their mouths and we'd just be watching the game, smack talking each other. And they're like, Oh, how did y'all get off work? And we're like, Oh no, we're having a staff meeting now. Oh, where do you work? Oh, the church down the street. And then curiosity would get some of them. But for the most part, it would be on us to, like, steer that conversation yeah. so that they didn't permanently, like, freak all the way out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always, it's, it's one of the benefits, right, of vocational ministry is um, you don't do it directly, but indirectly you freak people out when you're out yeah, and out in public. And that's, that's when the fun begins. Well, James 5... Uh, verse 16 James writes therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect um so the bible tells us we should pray for one another um and when we pray for the flock as ministers right we're 
we're we're an example of of or rather i should say we're following the example of jesus who prayed for his disciples right we see that particularly in john 17 um but i think that we're also not only we're we're following the example of jesus but we're setting an example for the flock to pray for one another why why do you think it's why is it important to pray for the flock one i mean we're shepherds we we are the the under shepherd or whatever whatever terminology we're using of the church and so as as shepherds right they would sit out and they would they would watch over their flock to protect them they would make sure they had food you know the, the main necessities they would make sure they had and so that is our way as modern day shepherds to take care of our flock you know it's making sure that that they're protected what's the you know at least spiritually right um you know we are out there just throwing needs that they have at the lord and not even needs that they know they have right um and so it's just it's just it's what we do as shepherds it's it's one of the ways that we help feed them you know we feed them sundays we feed them wednesdays through the week with home visits and hospital visits and and you know it's just a way of tending to their spiritual needs so i i got something that popped into my head when you just said home visits hospital visits you know so many so many pastors so many guys don't really do those anymore um, or they farm it out, right? I'm the teaching pastor, I'm the preaching pastor, so I don't have to do any of that stuff. And I think, you know, granted, I think if you're if you're the lead pastor and you have a a a block, a congregation size, you know, and even I would think for 250, 300, it's gonna get a little hairy for you to be able to do all the visitations yourself as a lead pastor. So I but I do believe that if you have that title of pastor, and I don't care how your church is formed, whether you're the discipleship pastor, the worship pastor, any of that stuff. If you are if you are called the title of pastor, you need to be making home visits, hospital visits, um, sitting in people's grief. Um, and I, I wonder then if those folks that don't do that, how much are they praying for their flocks? Yeah, I, I would I would question that as well. Um, I can recall in Terre Haute doing multiple like I, I took a whole day and sat in the ICU because there was a, a gentleman didn't have young kids, didn't have teenagers, didn't have grandkids that came to the church, but just a member of our flock and somebody really who's really dear to me now. Like we've gotten so much closer since then. Uh, he had a stroke. They thought he was on his way out. Um, and so I went and sat with his wife and his sister-in-law in the uh, in ICU there in Terre Haute um, literally all day. Right, I got there at nine o'clock, which was the earliest I could get there, and then I didn't leave till like six o'clock that night. Yeah, um, to the point that the hospital was like, "Um, you've got too many visitors. Somebody's got to go," because we were during COVID time. And so then I I played the pastor card, and I was like, "Ah, chaplain," like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm doing the Lord's work. Yeah. And so then then I didn't count as a visitor just for him. Um, I was, a, you know, that person for everybody, but it, it kept me in the door and I sat there. I remember sitting there praying with him while he was intubated and um, sorry, I just got a text um, while he was intubated and really sedated. I can just remember sitting there holding his hand uh, and praying with him. And so if you're not, if you're not with your flock at the lowest point, Mm. one you're not in the mud enough to know what they need to be if you're just waiting on them to say like oh you know jerry he's back here and, and jill she's back there and it'd be nice to pray for him but like if you're not in the mud and muck with them like yeah you got to be getting dirty that's a that's a really good point i think pastoral ministry is dirty um, and you well, got to be getting look dirty. At shepherds, they're dirty. Yeah, the 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 sheep know their their the voice of their of their shepherd, but also the shepherd smells like a sheep. He does, and yet the sheep still bite him. 
They do, and, and sheep bite, and they bite hard. But that's another that's another episode. <laughs> that that's so behind like, the paywall. As pretty as sheep are, right? Uh, they don't smell good. No, they're dumb. They're they're dumb. They're rolling in in mud and 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 dung and everything else. But the shepherds have to be in it to win it, right? Amen. They're in it like don't literally, and, and this is why I think the shepherd example is should be used more in youth ministry because you're constantly watching these sheep just like, Oh look, there's a cliff. Let me go run off of it. And you're literally taking your crook and you're like, no stupid, come back. And you grab it and yank. Right. <laughs> if that is not youth ministry, I don't know what is. <laughs> and now that some of these kids that I've had the privilege of, of shepherding them as middle schoolers and grade schoolers. Some of them are getting married and, you know, starting families now. So um, you're getting old. So I'm getting old, but like, I can just be like, it's coming. And you're going to realize why I called you stupid so many years ago. <laughs> it wasn't because I was just being me. Uh, although partially that's it. It was, <laughs> you were an idiot. Yeah. So, Andy, I think those are those are really good things, right? And I think that we, you know, as pastors, um, we definitely show the example, right? We set the example of of how to lead our church. And I think if you are not, as a pastor, if you're not praying for your flock, if you're not in prayer during corporate worship, if you're not praying with your people when you can, um, and when you should, I think then you're you're not going to have a prayerful church. I mean, you always have those individuals who are are you know prayer warriors, for lack of a better term. But I think that your culture isn't going to be prayerful if you're not prayerful, or at least if they don't see you praying. No, absolutely. No, I 100 percent agree with that. So in in your state now, and I think you're you're always you're always a shepherd, and I know that you're. You're shepherding like I went through a season um, before ministering now, you know, where I was kind of like a, a pastor to pastors in a small group, you know, or a small group of pastors and things like that. So I, I don't think you ever um, unless you're, you know, you, you're, you have a fall from grace or you're removed from that call. I don't think that if you're not getting a. If ministry, if, if pastoral ministry is not your vacation, it, vocation, it's never a vacation. <laughs> But your vocation. I don't recall pastoral ministry ever being a vacation. <laughs> but if, if you it know, was, it's a wild and not <laughs> fun vacation. It's a, you decided to take a, a vacation to Alaska in the middle of the winter and there's only grizzly bears around. <laughs> it's that, uh, it's that roller coaster that's meant to kill you with all the loops. Like it's the yeah. euthanasia. That's what, that's what ministry vacation is. But uh, I gotta, you know, you're in a, you're in a, a unique season to you for a long, for, you know, a, for quite a few years. It's a season that's unique to you. Um, and while you are still a pastor, um, you're not serving vocationally as a pastor. I'd say you're not, you're still ministering quite a lot, but you're in a, a, a newer church to you and your family. Um, as, as Andy, the church member, you praying for the flock? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I I'm pretty pretty active as far as at least I think I am. I'm probably not, but you know, I, you know, I'm involved in a small group. Um, we involved in a Sunday school class, actually. Um, our Sunday school class has a, a text group where we send each other, um, prayer requests that we had on Sunday. That's a good idea. And then, uh, and like whatever was written down on Sunday morning, like it gets sent out. And through the week, we're constantly like, hey, uh, update on this or, you know, hey, everybody okay? Just check, you know, which is awesome. I love it. Um, and then I have, you know, I've become friends with the, the two pastors that we have on staff, um, the the worship and the, the, the lead pastor. Um, and so, you know, I get to pray with them somewhat regularly. Um but just, you know, checking in on them, making sure they're okay, because 
you know, nobody checks in on the pastor and, and really nobody realizes we're not checking in on the pastor until the pastor breaks. Mm -hmm. Right. And so coming from that world, like I understand that. And so, you know, I try to check in on them every so often, just, you know, I know you can't divulge a lot, but you know, I can, you know, me and you have the joke of collar up, you know, so then I'm like, oh, I can call her up. We can, you guys can, can vent or cry or whatever. So, um, but in that, like you get to know people and you, you get to know their heart you get to see their struggles and you get to be there. And I think people expect the pastors of the church to be there and to pray for them. But I think it's, it's a little extra special when just an average Joe church member is praying for you, especially one when you're not super close with. Mm, right. Sure. I think of my, <clears throat> I think of the small group that I'm in, uh, churches on Sunday nights, we all meet for one meal and then we divide into three smaller groups. <clears throat> um, the worship pastor leads one, the senior pastor leads one, and then a deacon leads one. And we, <clears throat> we're all going through the same book. We're all at the same spot. Um, and we've gone through two Tom Rainier books. Um, the I Am a Church Member and, and the I Will book. Okay, so <laughs> not like you didn't go through like autopsy of a of a deceased church or any of that stuff. You've gone through no, those. no, 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 not yet. Um, and actually, not this week, but next week we're finishing up the last I Will, um, and I'm leading that, but. So most of the younger people, and when I say younger, I mean my age and younger adult wise, <clears throat> they go to, excuse me, they go to, you know, a certain group. And then my group, I bring the average age of that group down dramatically, <laughs> right? Me and the, and the worship pastor is younger than I am and he leads it, but me and him, like if it wasn't for us, the, the average age of that group is probably 60 plus. Right. And, and like, I get, like, I was a youth pastor for years, but there's something cool about hanging out with the older generation. Right. I like hanging out with, with teenagers. I like hanging out with college kids. Um, but sometimes it's good to, to sit with the, the more experienced flock members. Um, because you can see where they're at. Um, and so for them to come up to me or me to come up to them and some of them I'm close to some of them I'm not right. But for them to be like, Hey, you know, with what's going on with, with your grandpa, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Uh, I think it means something a little more than when, and, and it means a lot to me when Connor and Jackson text and they're like, Hey, just want you to know I've been praying for you, your family and your grandfather. Like that means a lot, but for, somebody that isn't a paid staff member, right. Who's going to take time out of their day to, and it's probably not the way that you should feel, but you feel how you feel. Right. And so it, it just, it, I think it means something more. And so I think we should be doing that one, because we're supposed to, and two, because it can be a real morale booster. Amen. Amen. And I, and I, I do. Go oh, no, go ahead. no good. I was just going to say, I think the vulnerability of our prayers are something that, that we don't talk about enough because, you know, we have the cookie cutter prayer and the, the Walmart grocery list prayer. Yeah. It's almost like we treat Jesus like he's a like car side pickup. He's a vending yeah. machine. God's a vending machine. We, we put, oh, yeah. we put the money in and we want what we want. Right. And then, you know, but then I think if we have legit vulnerable prayers and we're honest in our prayers, I think it puts us, and this is a, a horrible way to put it, but I can't think of another way to say it, but like it puts it on a whole new level. When you're vulnerable in your prayer yeah. life, like when you throw the grocery list away and you just yeah. open up. Yeah. It's yeah, real. So I, it's real. To, to me, it's real. It feels different. Oh, I, and so I, I, it was yesterday, me and you were talking. And uh, so I'll try to get through this without being emotional. 
Um, so I, I just want to say this because I'm going to forget because I don't have a pen and paper with me right now to write this down. But I, I just want to encourage you, those of you who do listen to this podcast regularly and somehow you've stumbled onto this. Maybe this is your first time stumbling onto this tire fire. But um, Andy's granddad is having some health concerns. And and Andy's granddad, um, for some of us, for whatever uh, the way life was, our grandparents um, are more than grandparents to us. And so I, I just ask that I encourage you all to pray uh, for Andy, for Andy's family, but pray specifically for Andy's granddad through this season. Yeah, so uh, he's having some complications. And right now um, he is hooked to a ventilator in a, in a hospital, in, in the ICU. Um, and I, I night before last, Right. Yeah. Two nights ago, um, they took him there. And I remember laying in bed and I could have had the cookie cutter prayer. Right. I could have had the, oh, just heal him and let's go on about our business. Um, but it just didn't feel right. And so in the in the midst of my prayer um, and I don't know how you pray, um, I, I seem to think I know how a lot of people pray um, and and a lot of people will pray formally like it's <laughs> you're talking to the principal. Um, or you're talking to like some high and mighty being, which you are. Um, however, I feel like I I have that relationship with God that I'm just going to be me, right? I'm going to talk to God the way I would talk to anybody else. Um, you can think that's right, wrong, or indifferent. Cool. Um, but I remember laying in bed and I'm like, dude, like as the little boy who would run across the kitchen to jump into his arms when he got home every day from work, right. Where he could do no wrong, where he could not be touched. He was invincible. Like I'm praying that you make him that again, right. That they can, that you can pull the tube out, that he's healed, that he is, is back. Um, I know you can do it because, there, there are story, countless stories in the Bible of your perfect healing, and there are, there are countless examples uh, in modern times where you've done it. And so that is my prayer, just fix it, right? Me is this little boy who looks up to his grandfather, like that. that is my prayer. Mm. And then I pause, and I was like, but, and you know, it's like the therefore or the but in, in scripture, like yeah. anytime you see a but or a therefore, you have to pause and be like, yeah. oh, what's the therefore, therefore? Um, I always hate when people say that, but then I find myself saying it more often. Uh, but then I was like, but hear me out. As this 38-year-old man child <laughs> that I am, do what you do, right? You know what I want. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest here. It doesn't matter what I want because scripture says everything works for the good of the Lord. And so at this point, I just want what you want. Mm -hmm. And if that's the healing, great. Like I'll rejoice like no other. And if it's for him to keep going through this season that he's he's starting, then I want to be there for him. And I want to I want to love him and I want to support him and help him where I can. And even to the point, if it's to call him home, like. That's going to suck for me and for so many of my family members. Because he is the the patriarch of our family, right? Memal has has uh, has gone on. and is waiting for us. Um, but what a celebration that would be for him to be reunited with with Mama and his his family and, and parents and Jesus. Let's not forget about the one we're most excited to see. Um, so I, you know, I did, I laid in bed and I was like, just fix him for me. But if that's not what you want, I'm okay with it. Right. And it was, and I was telling you, and those aren't the exact words that I used. Um, because if I get into the exact verbiage, I'm going to cry. <laughs> but I think that is the most vulnerable prayer I've ever prayed because I think as pastors, we pray constantly, Oh God, your will be done. You know, 
and and help us through it. But it's never about us. It's always about somebody else. Right. We'll be praying with, you know, we know you're, you're the great physician. And so we ask that you heal Billy's dad or Billy or whatever. Right. But just have your way in that situation. And then we walk away from it because we know that God's way is what we want because we're not, you know, we may be knee deep in the mud with them, but like they are neck deep in the mud. Right. Amen. And in this situation with, with Peppa, I am neck deep. You know, I, I sat at the hospital at his bedside yesterday with my mom and my aunt and uh, my uncle, um, his three kids. Um, and between those three and then all of the grandkids, uh, six or seven of us, and then all of the great grandkids, most of the great grandkids don't know. I, I told my two last night, um, and then our spouses, like we are neck deep in this. Yeah. Um, and you know, his pastor, like, you know, he's knee deep in it with us, but to pray that prayer when you're neck deep in it is totally different than to pray the, and mean it, right? Oh, sure. Not when go through the motions. When you're knee deep in it and you're praying, your will be done, well, then you just walk out of the mud and you're like, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, but it's not you're, like you're giving up or or not, you know, not giving up. Faith oh, yeah, that, and, and it, I know that's what it sounded like I meant. That's not what I meant. No, I'm and I think saying, some people do take it that way, like oh, the, yeah. that I'm going to give it to God and my hands my hands are clean like and i don't yes i think that we it's a realization that we don't have any there's nothing we can do but we're still not out of it right we we still we still got skin in the game god doesn't expect us to be passive oh absolutely unless that's a season we need to be there there could be a season we need to be passive right. but oh, that, yeah. god doesn't expect us to be passive and so but like we're neck deep in this and so to pray like Hey, yo, this is what I want. And this is what I'm expecting. Um, because I know you can do it. But. Why don't you just go ahead and do what you want to do and do what's going to bring you the most glory and do what's 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 really best in this situation and not what I want. Mm. And I, I think that's that's the most vulnerable prayer that I've ever prayed um, which then makes me sad that it's taken me 38 years um, and this situation to get me there, right? Well, it's a journey, not a race. Oh, absolutely. And, I, I, you know, I've never claimed to be the best Christian. Um, I've never claimed to, to know everything. Like, my students would ask questions, and I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. Like, let's let's look that up together. And I'll act like I know what I'm doing, but in my head, I'm like, oh, God, you've got to help me with this because I don't know what they're talking about. Right. But I I'd always think that I've been pretty honest with God. But man, night before last was something else like I it just it opened my eyes to what vulnerability means when you pray. Yeah, and I think for those those tried and true prayer warriors i what we're not saying we're not saying that if if you're a list right you're praying over your prayer list in the morning and you're putting it down and you're you're writing praises those are good things right but i think that there's times to for me and I, and i think you've discovered this a little bit too that the list thing just becomes very uh standardized for us right it becomes very formulaic and I think that it's okay to put the list away some days and just open up and have that honest conversation with the Lord. Forget about the formalities. I mean, obviously, right? We don't need the right language, but yeah, we're we're giving uh we're 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 giving him adoration, right? We're we're confessing, um, we're we're giving him thanksgiving and and you know, and we're we're going into supplication and praying for others. But I think when we have that we follow that model, but when we have that vulnerability and that we have that honest prayer with him, particularly about people um, other than ourselves, I mean, first and foremost, I think that that honesty is it opens us up to truly bring glory to God because we're not just saying, OK, God, well, you know, you are 
you are you, you we're in awe of you and and we you know we give you all praise and glory because you're the god of the most high and we take whatever biblical snippets um we could put into and paste into a sentence but i do think that that honesty at times for me brings in my prayer life brings the most glory to him um and it's opened my heart to even pray more for other folks uh for the needs of others but it's actually opened my heart to really pray for the needs for my needs and the needs of my family uh, more so than it, it did in the past. And I think that that honest vulnerable prayer, you know, I, 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 I know somebody who told me once that the most honest prayer they prayed to the Lord was um, God. What the F expletive. And it's jarring to hear that and think that, but he wasn't wrong. Because in that moment, that's where his heart was. He was at a wit's end and didn't know what to do. And God could take that. He didn't he didn't curse God. He didn't, you know, damn God in any way. Or but it was the most honest language that he could have with the Lord. And it it was, you know, it, it really taught me not I I don't pray in that exact way, but it really taught me ways to pray really honestly with him and you know, in a in a conversational style. Well, I'm pretty sure I said it last week, like God gave us emotions. Mm -hmm. He expects us to use them. And I, I think, and, and we might get some pushback on this. I think it's okay to be mad at God. Now, not that we stay mad at God, but like something happens and we, we, cause so many times something happens and we don't understand, right? And then you have the the what the F moments, right? And, you know, I teach my kids, like, if you're mad, like, don't just sit and stew. Go to the person. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. Like, if you're mad at me, let's talk. Why are you mad at me? Now, right. And if, so if you're mad at God, I think that's honest. And God's going to tell you really quick why right, it's right. A, a waste of time to be mad at him. Oh, it, it most certainly is. But I was like, you know, God, what are we? What are you doing? Yeah. Why is this happening? What What could possibly come out of this? And then, but you have to be able to let go, right? It's when you harbor that anger that's when it becomes a problem. And it, yeah, I'm not even questioning God as much as I'm trying to figure out and see where we're at. Mm -hmm. But because He is omniscient and all-knowing and all those other words. Uh, and I quickly realize I am not, right? I don't understand that what he's doing now is going to affect things for generations to come, and it's all part of a plan, right? Because my narrow mind sees from now until lunch, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's me trying to put the pieces together. It's not necessarily me. Yeah, I'm angry in the moment, but I'm angry that I don't. I'm not mad that he did it. I'm mad that I don't understand why. Sure. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's a good word. That's, um, and that's so honest. it's me trying to figure it out. It's not me literally. And, and the best way I can describe it is um, we've all seen the movie insert movie here where there's a boyfriend friend and there's a girlfriend and girlfriend's dad can't stand boyfriend right mm -hmm. and so i'm thinking of a music video right now because i'm a kid of the 90s and like all of a sudden dad yells because why are you in my daughter's room and and just you need to leave and so he leaves and then he gets in a car wreck and he dies Right. And so then mom's trying to console daughter. Dad is upset because daughter's hurt. And he goes in there and then daughter starts screaming at dad. You hated him. This is your fault. And she starts punching her dad in the chest. Right. Just because she's angry at the situation. And what does dad do? Dad doesn't berate her for being mad. Dad doesn't hit back. Dad stands there and takes it for a second. And then he wraps his arms around her. And she collapses and cries while he's consoling her. And so I think that's what I compare when I'm angry with God. Like, I don't understand what's going on. It doesn't make any sense. I'm not mad at you particularly. I'm just mad because I don't know and I don't get it. 
Right. And so then I fire these speedball prayers of anger out, and it's just me punching in the chest, waiting for him to wrap his arms around me and to console me while I sob and try to figure out what's going on. No, that's a good word. And that's, that's really what the Lord does with us. We can go and pound on his chest, um, sobbing and he will, he will wrap his arms around us and hold us because we are his children when we do come to Christ. That's a good word, Andy. And I think, I think that, that, by proxy, you just got the last word. Nailed it. So we'd love it for you to connect with us. Uh, we're on Twitter at Hill Hipster Pod. Um, you can email us. Our email address is hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. So in the uh, mortal words of one Andy Crow, you can hit us up on the Gmail at uh, hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out the find blacksmith merchandise at St. Galgano Armory. It's etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. You can connect with them on the socials at St. Galgano. Um, and don't forget, I just, again, I just encourage y'all who, who are the dozens of faithful listeners uh, to just keep Andy's family and his granddad in particular in your prayers um, and lift them up through this season andy it's on the agenda for today you you you, you don't have to work because of the barbecue festival lord i'm, 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 I'm moving to the commonwealth i'm working, I'm oh, working. don't say i'm not working <laughs> don't you put that black magic on me and get me in trouble i am telling you <laughs> you don't have to go to the office because of the, the barbecue office. festival <laughs> but i will partake in barbecue i'm uh I'm off to a a, a pastor's gathering because I think something I tweeted you yesterday. Um, nobody throws a, a pastor's gathering like the charismatics do. I tell you what. I tell you what. <laughs> All right, man. We'll go do that and be blessed. We'll talk to you guys later. Have a good one. All right, everybody. Be blessed. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, that's right. Happy Mother's Day. Holy um, cow. Dr. Wife. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day from the show. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, uh, whether you you truly are, whether you, you are a mother and have children or you don't. Uh, just I know there are there are a lot of ladies, uh, church ladies in my life who who weren't actually mothers, but are are spiritual mothers and, and you know, definitely can mother uh, to you whether they have their own children or not. So happy Mother's Day to all the ladies out there from Andy and myself. All right. God bless you. Be good. Later.